Amwar makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Amwar, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for new-to-use styles. Now, I mentioned on the podcast recently that I have been pregnant or breastfeeding for four and a half years, and that season of my life came to a close recently, and I was like, I forgot I can wear normal clothes again that don't need to be breastfeeding friendly or constantly changing in sizes with a postpartum body. And so now I'm left with trying to figure out, well, what do I wear? What is my style? I can't even remember. And styles have changed so much in the last few years. And so I've been having fun experimenting with different types of clothing. And I love that Amoir has allowed me to try some different styles of jeans and kind of step outside my comfort zone and figure out what I love, what works for my body type, and to not have spent money on things that I was like, "Mm, actually, this doesn't work after I wore it a few times and realized I don't really like it. And so it's been a great opportunity for me to try out some new things and help me to define my personal style. And I also love that the style quiz, the different suggestions that they gave after I took the style quiz, it was right in line with what I would want to wear. And so I have just loved this service and I would love for you to get to try it out and get a great deal. Right now, my listeners can give Amwar a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit amwar.style forward slash crystal. That is amwar.style A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Amoire today. This episode is sponsored by Byheart, and I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in, and all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. 
Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Payne Show. As it seems like has been our shtick recently. Shtick? <laughs> well, what's a better word? I don't know what you're I'm going to say that I just got back from a trip to Utah. And so I was going to say, as it seems like every single time when we lead into the podcast, we're talking about the trip that we just got home from. I actually went with Catherine to Utah. It was my first time to visit Utah. It was gorgeous, beautiful. Everyone has always talked about how Utah is so pretty, and they were right. The pictures were amazing. It looked like a magazine or a postcard. You just looked out the window and you're like, I can't, this, this isn't real, but it was. And I wish we could have stayed longer. We just went there for less than 24 hours. I'm trying to think. I think we were, yeah, we were on the ground in Utah, less than 24 hours. I went to speak at the Everything Food Conference. It was a blog conference for food bloggers. And I got to speak on Instagram and on um, brand sponsorships. And Catherine and I just had the best time. And I'm really excited because we get to go back to Utah in July. Is it July? End of June, beginning of July. For our family vacation every year, my dad pays for our whole family. And there's a lot of us because there were seven kids in my family. There were, there are seven kids in my family and then they're married. Six of them are married. Zachary, it's about time. We're waiting for the announcement. Get with it. (laughs) And there are lots of grandchildren as well. And so with all the spouses and grandkids, it's a lot of people. I don't even know the actual number right now. I know my mom is going to be sad that I don't know that actual number because she's a numbers person. What is it? I don't know. If I guess, I'm going to get it wrong. So there's a lot of people. Anyway. Average of two and a half children per family. And so we're all going, and my dad rented this huge house, and we're staying in Utah. And I'm excited to get to go back. But I wanted to say, that was not a good segue, but I wanted to say thank you to so many of you who have been listening to the podcast and leaving reviews on iTunes or on your podcast app. And I wanted to read this review that came in um, just a few days ago from ETX Mom of Two. She said, five-star review, what's not to love? The addition of Jesse's personality. See, Jesse, it was a good thing that you came on. <laughs> the addition of Jesse's personality makes the podcast even more fun to listen to. From their personal experiences and the current happenings to the array of guests that have been on the show, I've enjoyed every episode. I just wanted to say a big thank you to ETX Mom of Two and all the rest of you who have left reviews. And if you haven't left a review, we'd love for you to do so. And we just might read it on an upcoming episode. Let's talk about what's saving our lives. Jesse, I think you had something you wanted to bring today. Yeah. Mine is not necessarily something I have. Well, I guess in a way I do have, it's, it gives me more time, but it's deleting apps on my phone. If you have an opportunity to take a look at my phone, you will be overwhelmed by the number of apps on my phone. And it's just anytime I'm just trying to find like the camera 
just to open up the camera, I have to swipe up now because I can't find it. There That's are so easy. many files and That's folders. That's the easy way to do it. I know, but if I was actually trying to go find it somewhere, if by looking through all the apps, it's buried. Is there some place that tells you how many apps you have on your phone? Probably. I wouldn't want to know the number. <laughs> so that's, many files. That's why there's so folders. many folders. Yeah. So many apps. Anyway, keep going. Anyway, I deleted. It's not so much deleting some of the mini apps. It's one in particular, and that's Facebook. So I've been spending too much time on Facebook on the app on anyway. And I didn't even know you did this. I know. Until we were talking about what's saving our life. And you said, I'm going to talk about deleting Facebook. And I was like, what? Yeah, it's amazing. Maybe that's why all the projects around the house have been getting done. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm just saying, you've been knocking yeah. things off your to-do list right and left. Yep. So what made you decide to delete uh, it? I was just fed up with it. You were fed up with it as in? Just be realizing how much of a time waster it was and that it's really not... Yeah, there were some things I was doing on there that was beneficial, and but I can easily do that online, on the computer, and not on the phone. It's just way too convenient. And when did you delete it? Right before we went online on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, Thirty-four hours? minutes ago. <laughs> um, probably three or four days ago. And how has it felt? Freeing. <laughs> You know, I get on my phone. I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And just turn it off and put it away. You know, it's interesting because I wasn't planning to talk about this, but when we went on our trip to Destin, you kind of had a little intervention for me because I've been working a lot of hours and mm -hmm. it, there were some big projects. There was a lot of stuff going on. And I think there are seasons when you have a sprint, but that's not... a you shouldn't make that a lifestyle where you're working a lot of hours. Right. And it was just, it had gone on more than just a short little sprint. It had gone on for, I think, four weeks where I was working way too many hours. Right. And so when we were on our trip to Destin, I just kind of was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And we talked about some different things and I wasn't planning to mention this today, but now that you're surprising me by talking about deleting Facebook... Um, I actually decided to delete email off of my phone, which is something that I had done a few Long time years ago. ago. I, I was surprised that you had it on your phone because I, I had you put it. Had oh, it. you know, it's like you slip back into these bad habits, and I'd put it back on my phone because I'm like, well, then I can it's probably because something was going on and you needed access to it, and then you just for forgot to delete it. That's probably. And last year, I took every Wednesday was offline, so I took email off my phone on Wednesdays, but then I would put it back on. On right. Thursdays. Which is so bizarre that you would do that. Hey, but anyway. And whatever it takes to have self-control and discipline. Sometimes you just have to, you know, if there's brownies there, I'm going to eat them. So let's put them away. Or if there's eggs with cheese on them and pancakes for breakfast uh, in a plate that's sitting next to you that your husband's trying to eat, you eat half of them. They were good. What can I say? <laughs> I was hungry. They were really good though. <laughs> anyway. So I deleted it off my phone and I cannot believe how much brain space having email on my phone was taking up because I, I did that. What was it? It would have been over a week ago and I have just felt this freedom. In fact, last night we went to Silas's football game and this morning when we went to the kids' school for morning assembly on Wednesday mornings, I always go, I forgot to bring my phone. 
both times. Yeah. And I think it's because just the act of not having email on my phone makes it that, well, there's not a lot to do on my phone. I still have Instagram, um, which I love, but it's, I don't feel that same pull. There's something about, well, I need to check email. And then when I check email, I realized, oh, there's this problem. Somebody's bothered by something. Somebody's upset. Some problem that you have to fix and you You have to fix it now. Because I feel bad if somebody's upset about something or bothered by something or they didn't get their course or something's broken on the website or a company that I'm working with, there's some issue going on. I feel like I need to handle it right then. Right. So not having it on my phone takes away that urgency. Mm-hmm. And I kind of forget that email even exists until I get on and check my email. It's a way of setting boundaries. And yeah. And I've really been trying to not even get on my email until noon every day. And you know, nobody hold me to this. If you get an email from me before noon, don't, I'm not not saying that that's a a hard and fast commitment I'm making, but just for me, I'm just trying to stay off email in the mornings and there's just such lightness and freedom. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't planning to say that for what's saving my life, but I realized as you were talking, it's made such a difference for me. So that is saving my life. Last night too, I was able to spend so much time helping the girls with their school. And then early this morning as well, they had some homework issues that they were having to deal with and we got it done. And it allows more time to be one-on-one and having focused attention with kids. Yeah. That's, that's good. Okay. So that's going to be what's saving my life. And I'll save what I was actually going to share for next week. So the book that I wanted to talk about that I just finished listening to is The Tattooist of Auschwitz. And it is the true story of the man who was in the concentration camp during World War II who tattooed on the numbers of all of the camp. I don't which what would you call them? Prisoners? I don't know what the proper term would be, but all of the people who were in these camps, Mm -hmm. when they came into Auschwitz, he was the one who tattooed on the numbers. And it's said it's based on a true story. So they kind of have it so that it kind of, you feel like it's a fiction book is the way that it's presented. But she actually talks at the end of the book about how almost every single thing was accurate. There were a few places where she used kind of author's, what is the word that I'm looking for? Creative license. Yes. Creative license. My words are not in my brain today. Creative license to just make the story work a little bit better. But for the most part, it was completely accurate down to specific things that were said in specific conversations. And while I would say if it was a novel, it probably would have had maybe more depth to the characters or a better maybe more fast moving storyline or mm-hmm. something, but knowing that it was true, I just felt like it was such a good story, not a good story because it was super sad, but just really well worth listening to or reading just to understand a little piece of what it would have been like to go through that and how much it affected them. And at the end, then their son, because it's um, um this man and this woman that he falls in love with in the camp, their son talks about what it was like being raised by them and how the experience of living in that camp affected his parents for the rest mm. of their life. And it was just really powerful and well worth your time. There's a lot of language because 
I this think is an audiobook, right? Well, I listen to it, but it's also a book book. I mean, right. most audiobooks are actually printed books. But there's a lot of language, but I'm guessing that that was actually accurate what was said. Most it, of the time and when you read war related books, things like that, there's language, it's accurate. Yes. So it was it's not the book that I would say you should be listening to when kids are around and I would definitely read it before you hand it off to your preteen to read. But I think it was a very valuable book and I'm so glad my sister recommended that I read it. And yes, I'm so glad that I did. Again, that's the tattooist of Auschwitz and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. What about you? Do you have a book update for us? Yeah, I'm getting engrossed in my book again and I'm about halfway through the terminal list. So I'm enjoying it. And it's the terminal list, right? It sounds like when you say it, it sounds like it's two words instead of three words. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit what it's about? Yeah. The uh, main character is a, at the beginning of the book, is a Navy SEAL that gets ambushed while in Iraq. And there is a, uh, he's actually commanding a, a platoon. His whole team's taken out except for him and finds out it was actually an inside job that there's a conspiracy. They're trying to get rid of his team and get rid of him because there's something to do with the medical treatment that they were undergoing that produced brain tumors in each one of them. And they're trying to hide the adverse effects of the medications and that treatment. And there's some rogue government officials that are trying to, push this through and also hide the adverse effects. So he's made it back to the States and trying to track down who is in on this conspiracy and take care of them. So you're really enjoying it. Yes. I've noticed that you, the other night, I think I came in and you had fallen asleep when you were reading it. Oh, it was pretty late at night, but do you think it's one that I would like? You might. Yeah. You don't know. Actually, I don't think you would. It's, Cause I like, well, I was just trying to think if there's any books that I've read like that. I mean, I know for TV shows. You like, like the legal fiction books that I've read. Yeah. We'll have to add it to my list. Maybe we'll see if there's an audiobook for it. Yeah. Actually, that'd be really interesting. I wanted to mention for those of you who are interested in blogging or you think maybe you'd like to start blogging, you don't know what it entails, you're wondering, how do you start a blog? How do people make money blogging? I have a free blogging class that I'd love to invite you to sign up for. Like I said, it's completely free and it's a one-hour class where I teach you the three steps to successfully start a blog. And I not only share my story of how I went from no college degree, teaching myself, learning from scratch, pulling my hair out, making a lot of mistakes, but then ultimately making a full-time income from blogging. So I share that story. And then I give you the steps that you need to take to set up your own blog. So I tell you what you need. I talk about what makes a successful blogger. And so if this is something that you're interested in at all, I would encourage you to go sign up for that. We will put the link for it in the show notes, or you can go to yourbloggingmentor.com forward slash podcast. 
Since Jesse and I finished sharing our entire story on the last episode, and if you missed that, you can go back and listen to all the episodes we did sharing kind of our whole life story. But now we're going to start doing topical episodes. And many of you have written in over the past few months and suggested topics that you would love for the two of us to kind of unpack during at the interview time. So instead of us bringing on someone to do an interview, he and I will just be talking and we'll be unpacking one specific topic. And today's is a little bit of a hot button one, but we're just going to go there. And I'm going to read this question. This was submitted. um, I'm not sure the name on this, but I'll read the question and then we'll just dive into it. She said, after listening to you and Jesse on the podcast the other day, I was wondering if you could talk about how to submit and allow your husband to lead when you are such a strong person yourself. My husband and I struggle with this. I do want him to lead, but it's hard because I'm a, if you aren't going to do it, I will kind of person. The only way we seem to work is either he leads or I lead. We can't seem to work together. So (laughs) Jesse, that's a big topic. And I think it's one that we definitely dealt with, struggled with, worked through some, still struggle with this very day, right before this (laughs) podcast, we had a situation where we were kind of struggling with my strong personality and you feeling maybe trampled over by my strong personality. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah, that's kind of accurate. So I'd love for you to start. I mean, I'm the strong one and I have lots of words. (laughs) And maybe even me saying, I'm the strong one, does that make you feel, I just realized as I said that, it was almost as Yeah, it does. Yeah. And so... I mean, so, you know, to your point, yeah, it's a struggle and it's something that you have to work through, but recognizing that those tendencies are there is the first part of the battle. I mean, and then recognizing your use of language like that. So saying, I'm the strong one. Well, how do you define strong? What do you mean strong? Strong willed. What are the strengths that you see the the personality to get things done? Is it a strength? Is it a positive? Is it a negative? Defining terms and figuring out where you are to be on the same page, to make well, sure that you're communicating well. I was even thinking when I said it, and I kind of saw you grimace a little bit, and mm-hmm. it's me recognizing that I will just kind of spout off things and that can make you feel run over. Right. And when I'm saying I'm the strong one, in my mind, I'm saying more, I'm the loud one. <laughs> like, like I'm the one who's going to be more vocal about things and have a really strong opinion. Maybe I'm more apt to speak out with my opinion right. than you were, than you would so, be. So in that instance, you're using the word strong in a different context than how I am receiving the word strong. You're using it as a negative, whereas I would be receiving it as more, that would be a strength or not to reuse the term, but a positive attribute. That I'm, well, I was thinking it kind of can come across like I'm better than you. Right. Like I'm more. But you're not meaning it that way. No. You're actually meaning it as more as a pejorative in a way. What is a pejorative? Can you define that for me? A pejorative is a confluence of, <laughs> oh my goodness. by the way, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and they used the word confluence. So 
I thought of you when that happened, but anywho. He used it on another episode if you missed it. And I was like, confluence? Nobody uses the word confluence. I don't know what it means. And most of my audience agreed, but oh well. Anyway. apparently we're not at your level. Okay. So pejorative. Let's put this back on the rails. Does pejorative, is that a positive? A negative. A negative. Yes. So it, it, you're using a word in a negative sense. Okay. So I think this example that we didn't plan <laughs> is a really good kind of setup for what we want to say. And that is, I think me recognizing that it is my tendency to say things that could make you feel run over. Mm-hmm. Is that an accurate statement? Yes. And it's my personality type, which can be a really wonderful thing in that I'm such a driver and I'm very driven, but an Enneagram eight can also be a steamroller where you just don't really, you, there are just bodies left in your wake mm-hmm. because and, you're getting things done. Well, but here's the other thing with the steamroller. Oftentimes the driver driving the steamroller can't see what it's running over. Yeah. And you wouldn't be able to see what's what you're getting ready to run over because you're so driven. And I've done that so many times mm-hmm. and I still do that, but I think I'm more in tune with that as being something that I struggle with mm-hmm. of running people over, steamrolling, bulldozing, and not thinking of the consequences and how it can hurt people right. or how because it can come across. The, and the reason you don't think of that is because it doesn't even register that that's even a possibility for you. Yeah. It's, it's just, more of a, a, a consequence you didn't even take into account. Yeah. And so I think as I've gotten healthier, I recognize that more. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say for someone who is listening, who you have a similar personality to me, just the first step of acknowledging it. Definitely. And then beginning to recognize how you can hurt people with that personality, how it's a, it's a blessing, but it can also be a curse. Mm-hmm. And there are really good things about it. And there are things that can be really detrimental. And so to recognize that and to work on becoming more aware of when you are running people over or when you are getting ready to run people over or things that you could say that could run people over. Right. But in the context of our marriage, what has helped you to not just feel run over by me? Honestly, taking initiative myself for one but also recognizing that that's a tendency of yours and not, and to purposefully decide that I'm not going to be hurt by that because you're not meaning to hurt. You're not meaning to cause negative consequences. I'm just like, so my tendency would be in a situation to, to lay back, to be slower in making a decision because I'm trying to weigh out pos- uh, different possibilities or different alternatives for making a choice. You may want to make that decision more quickly. I would be more slowly to make that decision. Okay. And I'm, I'm being purposeful in doing so, but unless I communicate the fact that I'm being purposeful, you wouldn't see that as me being purposeful. You would see it as being slow or maybe even lazy. Or apathetic. Or apathetic. Yeah. Yeah. Or I could even take it as you're not caring about me because 
Let's say there's Mm -hmm. a problem, something that needs to be fixed, and I just don't have the capacity to fix it, or it's something that it's more like it's your jurisdiction in the house or the finances or something like that. And you are feeling like you're taking care of the family by looking at all the options and taking your time and doing the research. Trying to make a wise decision. Whereas I could view it as you're just not prioritizing us. Right. It's something that I, you know, that I want done. And so I think it's that, that perspective shift for me to recognize what your heart is behind what you're doing. I think for me, it's learning to shut up and wait because that's not something I'm good at at all. Right. But it's something you're being intentional about doing. And I think in every relationship, this is something that I have to work on. I just, when I see the solution, I mean, I think in business wise, if I see a solution, <laughs> the solution, Not hello, the solution, <laughs> the a solution. solution, but in my mind, it's the solution. And I think of if I'm until in a, that solution doesn't work, then there's another solution. If I'm in a business a meeting, if I'm in a business meeting and I see, okay, here's, here's where we need to go. Here's how we can get there. And I've already made up my mind. Mm-hmm. And then Everybody else is just talking about all the different possibilities and I'm sitting there. I can be really frustrated. Definitely. And I'm trying to learn to slow down and listen because I can learn so much from other people. And Mm -hmm. so I think in our marriage, me catching myself when I want to jump in Mm -hmm. and cut you off and be like, it's already taken care of. Like, I already know what we're going to do. Let's just do this. Get to it. And recognizing that you bring a gift to our marriage by being a slower processor because I will miss all sorts of things in my quest for just mm-hmm. getting it done. And and that also takes into account another level of my perceiving things that you don't perceive. And there's, there's a ton of things that I see that you don't, but there's things that you see that I don't. And recognizing those strengths in each other, one thing that that I'm growing in is being more active and taking action. Like you said earlier in the show that I'm getting a lot of things done Mm -hmm. and I'm being more proactive at getting those things done Mm -hmm. and taking and making those decisions more quickly and working on that and becoming more healthy in doing so. Well, and I think that when you're not second guessing yourself, because a lot of times the inaction will be an insecurity. Right. It's due to second guessing. And so when you're not second guessing yourself from an insecure place, that's just proof that you're healthier. Mm-hmm. Proof is, what is the indication? That was mm-hmm. the word I was looking for. It indicates you being in a healthier place. It indicates confidence. And I think that for me to recognize that and call that out in you and affirm that is something that I think also encourages you. Is that correct? Right. Not mm-hmm. in a demeaning way, like, well, why can't you usually be like this? Well, and there goes to, it's it's all about the words that you use. Yeah. And affirming it, but in a way that doesn't make you feel like I'm also dissing mm-hmm. the last Right. You can, you, you can give years. a backhanded compliment. Right. And so I think, so first off, the first step would be, you know, acknowledging your weaknesses right. and your strengths. Secondly, would be 
acknowledging the other person's weaknesses and strengths and how they complement each other. And how we're both wired differently and it complements one another. And I think for me, it is then shutting up and being more patient and not in a not in an unhealthy way, like, well, I'm just going to sit here and I just have to just wait for him right. to do, but more in a, I know my unhealthy tendency is to run people over. I'm working on slowing down, listening to your perspective, letting you take the time that you need to do your research because you're doing it ultimately because you love me and you want the best right. for our family. And then I think for you, it's recognizing that it's your tendency to sometimes take too long Mm -hmm. to research. So giving yourself permission to step out and take a little bit of risk and get things done at a quicker pace than maybe you would typically want to do because it feels scary. Right. And living out of that confidence. And then finally, I think a really important piece is us learning to communicate and be honest about our feelings. So for instance, earlier when I said, you know, cause I'm the strong one and I saw that you grimaced, but then you were able to acknowledge that when I say that it makes you feel kind of shut down. Mm-hmm. And I think for me to communicate to you, when you take two, what feels like to me a really long time, I was going to say too long, but I, that's, <laughs> When you take a really long time to make a decision on something, that that makes me feel like I'm not being prioritized. And right. so to acknowledge that to you, and sometimes if I you know, feel like you're over-researching out of maybe insecurity, for me to say mm-hmm. to you, hey, honey, you know, I'm just feeling like you're not prioritizing this thing that's really important to me, and it makes me feel unloved when you're Mm -hmm. doing that or not taken care of. And let's talk about this. What's, you know, and just to open up the floor. And if you notice when I said, it makes me feel that's something that we've really worked hard on instead of saying you are doing this. I'm saying it appears to me as if, and it makes me feel that softens it and also is not, I'm not accusing you. I'm saying this is how I am feeling. And my feelings, even if they're completely unfounded, they're still valid Mm -hmm. because they're my feelings. And so you can't tell me that's not what you're feeling. You can say, this is not what I'm doing, or this is not why I'm doing it. That correct. But you can't invalidate my feelings because my feelings are my feelings. And so for me to be honest, this is how it makes me feel instead of being like, you just don't love me. You just don't care about our family. Like that does nothing but cuts down. It's just going to shut shut down even more. But then I think for you to be brave enough to communicate to me how you feel. Right. But also I also need to be careful not to take whenever you would say something of that you don't feel cared for as a backhanded insult or a softened insult. I have to purposefully take that with how it's given instead of, you know, seeing it through my colored glasses or your, my hearing aids, as you like to say that. Maybe we should explain (laughs) that. I always say that everyone wears hearing aids 
and glasses. They're invisible, but it's the filter through which you hear what people say and the filter through which you see life. And so it's usually based upon a lot of baggage that you have and triggers that you have. So something that someone says that could be completely innocuous, but you hear it as something that's really hurtful because of your past baggage. And so your hearing aids, I hope that's not offensive to somebody because we offended people the other day with saying the things about audiobooks. And we offended well, the dyslexic people. We're just not meaning to, to offend anybody. I'm sorry. We offended people point. who are dyslexic. You don't ever say dyslexic people, people who are dyslexic. I hope we're not offending anybody by talking about hearing aids. But And maybe there's a better analogy, but that's the best one I could come up with. Because I think when we realize that, mm-hmm. and then we can help ourselves become healthier and be like, wait, what did they actually say? Right. Or what, instead of what did I hear, what did they actually say? So I got off on a tangent there. I get real passionate about that. But I was thinking, okay, so acknowledge your weaknesses, I think would be the first step. Believe the best about your spouse. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And then I wish I had a C because then it would be ABC, but. No, you're at one, two, three. uh, (laughs) Well, I was thinking acknowledge, believe, and I need to see. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so communicate. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So, okay. Acknowledge your weaknesses, believe the best about your spouse and communicate your hurts. Yeah. Here we go. There's the ABCs to a healthier marriage. Today's question for the Q&A segment comes from Jenny, and she emailed in and she asked, what are some good questions to ask the person you're dating? I love that you're sharing your story on the podcast. Thank you. So I said, Jesse, should we tackle this? (laughs) What did you say? (laughs) I've never dated. I wouldn't know. If you've listened to our story episodes, you will know that we did this thing called courtship, which is, it's hard to define, but basically... It could be defined as dating with the intent to marry and to marry parental involvement and oversight, a lot of parental involvement. But if you want to know all the details of that, (laughs) go back and listen to the other episodes where we share a story. Um, I was just thinking though, what are some things that you and I, when we were in our courtship that were helpful to us that we look back and we say, you know, talking about that, it set us up well for marriage. Definitely. I think finances is a huge topic that needs to be talked about and making sure that you're both realistically on the same page. Children, mm-hmm. what what is the intention around having children? How many you want? What's, what's the desire of your heart there? I was thinking on the finances piece, I think it'd be very helpful. This is something that we did and I would highly recommend that you actually set up a budget together. Yeah. That you go through the process. Obviously, the numbers maybe aren't going to be perfect, although you go with what you think you're you actually going to see if it make. works and, and know the each other's tendencies. I mean, is the other one a big spender and you're really thrifty? There's going to be conflict there. You need to realize that. I was thinking it also, especially if you were engaged, going through um, Dave Ramsey's Financial yeah, Peace University would be great would be a great thing to do together because it just gets you talking about finances, talking about budgeting, talking about the way that you're wired when it comes to money. Mm-hmm. And helps you to set priorities and to realize what you don't know about money and helping get all those security areas taken care of. 
And whether you're risk adverse or whether you like to kind of jump out and be really risky when it comes to investing. Definitely. And what your goals are financially. And I think it's also helpful, you know, to think about what are your thoughts on credit cards and mortgages and just long term your goals for finances. What does that look like? Individually, what your goals are, but then collectively what your goals are. Maybe you will find ways to set new goals like what like we did in trying to get out be out of law school debt free and then move on and getting the house. Yeah. And I know we're talking a lot about finances, but I feel like so many marriage stresses and struggles are rooted in money. And so that's why I think if there's one thing that you can talk about, talk about money, because getting on the same page from the get-go is going to save you so many fights and so much marital tension. Definitely. I think, you know, along those lines, what religion is Mm -hmm. another huge one, making sure you're on the same page and that you you have common beliefs and common mm-hmm. convictions that you're not pulling your rope in two separate directions. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. And I was also thinking of just, you know, your personality types and understanding Enneagram and the way that you're wired. And mm-hmm. that'd be a great tool. Really being able to appreciate that in this person versus being frustrated with that. And so seeing that in that. And I think it's a real key to be open, honest, and vulnerable because you want to go in with both eyes open and realize if you guys aren't compatible, you better shut it down now than going forward and and going down the line and realize there's a lot of changes that need to be made. Yeah. And I was thinking one thing that we did together, well, two things. One, asking forgiveness early and often and getting Mm -hmm. in the habit of admitting when we're wrong. Yes, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) I had a lot of things to ask forgiveness of, I know, early and often, very often. But getting in that habit, because I think a lot of couples, if you don't have a foundation of doing that when you go into marriage, it's not going to come naturally Mm -hmm. to say, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And so practicing that. Early on in your marriage makes it so much easier to do later on. And then also praying together. Mm -hmm. um, That was something that I feel like looking back was so important for us to do. And I know so many women tell me that they don't feel comfortable praying with their husband or that's Mm -hmm. not something that they do. And because a lot of times if I'm struggling, I'll come to you and be like, can you just pray for me today? I feel overwhelmed or I feel overwhelmed about this situation or I'm stressed about this or I need some direction. And for us to just pray together, Mm -hmm. that is such a balm to my spirit whenever I'm just feeling stressed or feeling sad or whatever it is. And so getting in the habit of doing that early on, Mm -hmm. I feel like makes it then it's something that you're comfortable doing together and it's not this awkward thing. And then the other thing is to just to talk I remember that your mom would say, don't you guys ever have stopped having things to talk about? You know, because we talked, I'm, I'm sure let me, you talk a lot and it some, really hasn't you changed You had a few words as, to say every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> every once in a while, you'd fill in a few little yeah, gaps. Yeah. But when I took ha- a breath. Yeah. Having that open communication is huge because it really paves the way for the future. And it's something that has really cemented our relationship Definitely, is just that communication and us talking about everything. We talk about everything, which means Mm -hmm. we talk a lot or you listen and I talk. (laughs) (laughs) 
but us feeling comfortable with that right. and feeling like that is that is part of like, communication and good communication is the foundation for intimacy, I really yep. believe. And so having that where you can pray together and talk together and share your struggles and be honest and be vulnerable and not feel like you have to kind of keep it together for your spouse. You have to, because you, really you're not being yourself. You're being what you think that person wants you to be. And you're setting yourself up for failure because you're not being the real person in the relationship. Yeah. And if you don't, be yourself, then you're putting on a mask and then you're going to have to continue to wear that mask because that's who they fell in love with, with someone who is not your authentic self. And it's going to be exhausting. And ultimately it's going to be a recipe for disaster. Yep. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I wanted to mention that if you have any questions on any topic you'd love for Jesse and I to answer in a future episode, or if you just have any feedback or suggestions, we love hearing from you. We love your emails and your messages every week, and they are the highlight of our week. And I always share them with Jesse. So you can send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 